You're listening to China This Week, the podcast brought to you by China US Focus. Hello and welcome. I'm James Chow with a podcast that brings you context and commentary on the world's most fascinating bilateral relationship. Well, what a story this has been and continues to be. The meeting between Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un, or as it turns out to be, the on-again, off-again, and maybe on-again summit. Which will it be? Listen to this first. That was the sound of nuclear test tunnels being destroyed in North Korea on Thursday, a big, bold move in front of the world's media. Who knew just a few years ago, let alone a few months ago, that this was even a possibility, and yet here we are. But my question is this, was it a serious and determined step towards denuclearization? Scientists have been saying that these tunnels partially collapsed last year and may not have been usable after all. And we also need to ask a more basic question. Are there more nuclear test tunnels that we don't know about yet? Maybe Donald Trump was thinking the same thing because a few hours later, he wrote to Kim cancelling their summit for June 12th in Singapore. Referencing other events in recent weeks, he said Kim's tremendous anger and open hostility meant that now was not the best time to sit down together. But my take is this. Yes, Trump did write that letter, but he also left the door wide open. If you read his words carefully, he says later on that he looks very much forward to meeting Kim and he thanks him for the release of the three American hostages who are now back home with their families. Remember, this is Donald Trump, the US president who made a big show of withdrawing from the Paris Climate Agreement, only for a few months later to say quietly that Washington could still opt back in. So he's holding all the cards in his hands, and he'll use and play them as and when he chooses to do so. But if that was a tactic, it's triggered the response that he's been looking for. On Friday, the North Koreans issued their own statement, saying that they're still open to working with the US side at any time. And as if on cue, Trump then said that he could conceivably still meet with Kim in Singapore after all. We're going to see what happens. We're talking to them now. Uh, it was a very nice statement they put out. We'll see what happens. It could even be the 12th. We're talking to them now. They very much want to do it. We'd like to do it. We're going to see what happens. Now let's bring in the Chinese who've been sitting tight in Beijing. So far, President Xi Jinping has had two meetings with Kim. And that seems to be a problem for Trump. The word out on the street is that Trump thinks the Chinese have been unduly influencing the North Koreans against the idea of that summit in Singapore. Douglas Powell's a vice president at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, and he says that blaming the Chinese for the change in tone from North Korea strikes him as trying to find a Chinese scapegoat for a summit failure. The Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesman said this. China has played a positive role as a mediator on the Korean Peninsula. Now, historic opportunities have been created for a political solution to the Korean Peninsula issue. The DPRK and the U.S. should grasp the opportunities and talk with each other about their concerns. We hope the planned Trump-Kim summit can proceed smoothly and yield concrete results. Well, what does this say about the Americans and the way that they communicate to their international partners and negotiate with them as well? Paolo von Schirach is president of the Global Policy Institute, and he has this take to offer. Well, this thing has been 
pretty messy. Let me put it this way. Very uh, okay, newsworthy, for sure. The whole world was aghast, saying the president of the United States and the leader of North Korea, eternal enemies, finally coming together, maybe a new era, you know, unfolding. And then, you know, some productive uh, preliminaries. Pompeo has been there. The prisoners have been released. There seems to be some kind of a general agreement on a framework. People said, okay, this something is afoot here, something very promising. Perhaps we're getting too hung up on the June 12th date. Yes, it's a magic marker on the calendar. And yes, it presents the opportunity for genuine history making for two leaders from two countries that, let's face it, many of us thought would never meet in our own lifetimes. Maybe it will happen on June 12th, maybe not. But the wider thinking is they've made more progress in these recent months than we've seen in recent years. And that alone is cause for hope. Troy Strangeron is from the Korean Economic Institute of America, and he seems to agree on that. I actually think this is a good sign. Um, right now, we have this deadline of June 12th, and we've seen North Korea sort of pull back recently. And I think what this demonstrates is President Trump is committed to the process, even if that process won't happen on June 12th. So rather than the date being what's driving it, it to me indicates that he wants the substance to drive it. So if we can get the details right for the summit by June 12th, I think it'll happen then. If not, just because it doesn't happen on June 12th, I think what he's saying doesn't mean it won't happen, but it just may happen later. We'll catch up on this story and others on our website. The address for that is ChinaUSFocus.com. We're also very active on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, our handle is the same, at ChinaUSFocus. We'd love to hear from you and to have your voice in this debate. I'm James Chow. Thanks for joining us and see you again next week. Have a great week ahead.